Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer on this Friday morning, October 29th. I'm Tom Short, so glad to have you along as we get into the Word of God. Pray every day. Trust that God is building us and making us stronger, more faithful, more loving, more full of faith, more courageous as God's Word transforms our lives. So glad to have you along. If you're new, welcome. I do hope you subscribe, hit the notify button, like the video, and leave a comment. Tell me who you are, where I know you, if you do, and share with your friends. We've been discussing why people leave the faith. We've looked at quite a few biblical reasons, and now I'd like to share a reason that I'm hearing more and more and more on the campuses over the last 10, 12, 15 years. And that is this, young people don't like that the church is involved in politics. And so people leave the church over that. And I suppose it's not just young people, but it's also millennials, it's people of all ages. Something that we do need to address, this puts the church in quite a, uh, a, a tight spot. Does the church take a stand, and what kind of a stand, how aggressive of a stand, how strong of a stand on the big moral issues of our day? Let's be honest. When people say they're leaving the church over politics, they're usually not saying it's because they're concerned about the uh, government policy supporting agricultural subsidies out in Iowa or something of that nature. No. Let's be honest. What are they talking about? They're talking about the church's position on abortion and the pro-life issue, the church's position on the LGBTQ and moral issues and public policy, how that would relate, how public policy would relate to sexual morals and ethics, perhaps on some other areas, perhaps on the church taking a position in support of a particular candidate, particularly like we've had recently a candidate who's been, uh, has had his, his, um, Positives and negatives both very high. Positives have been very high. Negatives have been very high. And people uh, don't like that, taking a position on a particular candidate. You know, there's so many issues in terms of, so what's the church do here? Does the church engage or not? Nobody wants to lose people over politics. I have been asked on rare occasion, but I have been asked, does becoming a Christian mean I need to become a Republican? Does becoming a Christian mean I need to change my, I, I need to start disliking LGBT people? Does becoming a Christian mean I need to become pro-life? Well, becoming a Christian means you need to trust Jesus Christ. Becoming a Christian means you need to have a heart change that you turn to him you ask his forgiveness, you acknowledge who he is, you acknowledge that he's the Lord, he's God. You recognize that you've been in sin and rebellion against God, going the wrong way. You want to get the right way. I know it's difficult and I try not to give uh, too many specifics to a person because to me, I don't want to imply that becoming a Christian means you do this or you do that. Becoming a Christian really is a matter of the heart. And when you get your heart right towards God, the specifics fall in line. I like to focus on that. If someone asks me directly about the specifics, I always try and get back to the heart if I can. But there's so many issues churches need to face and to discuss. And let's all realize this is difficult. 
It's difficult on pastors who have a heart to shepherd their people, who have a heart to win people to Christ, who, who, who grieve and love their people. This is a difficult issue. And I'll tell you in a minute where I stand, but I'll also say I'm sympathetic to those who may disagree with my position. There's so many issues I mentioned. We talk a lot in our country about the separation of church and state. We believe in that. What does that mean? I'm asked often on campus if I believe in the separation of church and state. I say I certainly do, but I may not believe in it the way they do. I don't believe in the separation of God and state. I don't believe in the separation of God from what's right and true in our country. But this is something that, that, that has a deep value and it's been ingrained in many young people that that means the church stays out of politics completely and to do anything otherwise is un-American. I don't agree with that position, but that's what they've been taught. Another issue is what does the philosophy of ministry a church has? <clears throat> Basically, churches can come down in one of three positions in a philosophy of ministry about, about outsiders. Number one is you can be a seeker-oriented church, and that is you believe that anyone interested in finding God and, and, and turning to God the place they'd come look is the church, and that's where you want them to come look. So you, you design your church with them in mind. You design your church to win the lost. You train your people to invite their friends, their unbelieving friends to church, and you want to have a service that's very uh, conducive to them and focused on avoiding anything that would wrongly alienate, focused only on winning them to Christ during the church service. You can have what's just the opposite. You can say, no, no, the church isn't for outsiders. The church is the people of God. It equips the people of God. And, and we, as a matter of fact, I know churches, they say, don't even invite it. Uh, uh, even if you lead someone to Christ, don't invite them to church for a while. Get them grounded first and then invite them because it's only for the believers. This is the, uh, the, the uh, group of us. We speak very strong, clear, biblical truth. And you should know that when you come. And then there's kind of in the middle ground that says we're seeker-sensitive. And they would say the church is to equip the people. It trains them. It teaches. It's, it doesn't hold back. But they're aware and sensitive that there may be unbelievers out there, and they don't want to wrongly offend. And so they're very, very careful what they say and when they say and how they say and so on. Obviously, if you're seeker, so, so the, this relates. What does a church say? How aggressively, how much is a church to be involved in training their people and speaking into these issues and when do they do it? And if the church sees itself as primarily an evangelistic tool that people come for this purpose, obviously they're going to be less likely to want to engage in anything controversial, all right, if, if, if possible. And then the third, the third, as I was taught as a young Christian, the phrase, we're not called to clean up the stream, we're called to catch, catch fish out of it. And so I was taught, you know, it, there was a question of when we have um, uh, evangelical eternal values, we know that our ultimate hope is in heaven. What is our earthly responsibility? Should we be involved in trying to make this earth a better place? Should we be involved in trying to have better schools, better uh, government, better culture? Should Do Christians have any role in all of this? Or do we just realize we're, we're going to be a, a minority, an oppressed minority perhaps, and, 
and um, and we'll all, and and our only hope of anything ever being better is when we get to heaven. These are all big issues. These have deep theological standings and deep philosophical understandings. And I would say that each position on each either side of these can make a case. And we dare not just say that my way is right and everybody else is wrong. Each position can make a case for why they believe what they believe. From these, you could come up with three positions of our involvement politically. You could say, avoid it. It's a distraction. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to make mature Christians and, and to get involved in anything political. It's a distraction from our mission. Avoid it. There are a lot of believers, a lot of Christian leaders who believe that. You could say, we've lost the cultural war. Time to move on. Time to realize that we, 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 we can't win. Don't engage. It's a fool's errand. It's a losing battle. You could argue that way. Or you could argue that we are involved in, in, called to engage in our culture, called to be salt and light. We're called to bring a, a, a sanctifying influence in our world. And again, each position has a basis for why they would believe it. None of those positions are in and of themselves wrong, and none of them are in and of themselves right. And this is what we really need to understand in the church, because we can take strong opinions towards people who believe differently on these things, be very, very angry at them, very, very upset with them, and become very divided and accusative of them. And it is important that we realize that whichever position people come down, or there might be a little combination of these, or others that I haven't mentioned, but, but a lot of people have been thoughtful, and it is important that we not just quickly demonize the other side. I'll tell you, now I'll tell you where I come down. I believe America is in a cultural war. I believe we have been for at least six decades from the, from the 60s, starting in the 60s, and maybe even a little bit earlier. And I believe the cultural war is a movement in America that once believed it was right to honor God, respect God, that there was a belief in God, and that God had a, 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 an authority in life. It was assumed that the Christian morality, Christian morals, Christian beliefs would guide who we are as a people. I believe that's how our country was founded. I believe that was our history. Was we, were we perfect at it? Of course not. No church, no family, no person is perfect at it. But that's what we were striving for. And the foundation of our, nations, I, of our nation, I believe, did have strong Christian influence in how we saw this nation becoming. In the, in the 20th century, there was a significant ideological battle. It started long before the 1960s, but it culminated in the 60s. And shall we say, there were some big momentum shifts in the 60s with the hippie movement, the secularization uh, of our society, the ruling of prayer out of the schools, etc. Over the last 60 years, we have been involved in a cultural war. What is right? Will we be a... a God-honoring nation or not? Will Does, does God, uh, when we think of what is right, what is wrong, what a, in such things as the role of God in our lives, the role of God in our public life, the role of God in, in life with abortion, all of these issues, 
I think we are in a cultural war. That's what it's been called. The discussions that have entered into the political world are no longer just about tax policy or do you help this, you, you, do you locate a factory here or there? Because at one time, most of us agreed and those issues weren't necessarily moral discussions. But now, moral issues, deep, significant, important moral issues have come deeply into our society and into our culture. And I contend that politics is how we as Americans figure out what we believe to be right and wrong. That's how we discuss it. We discuss it, we debate it, we vote on it, and then we move on implementing what who won, those who lost, living to fight for the next election. If we fail in that, if we no longer engage politically, then to me, the next step would be violence, tyranny. When people stop talking to one another, debating to one another, having elections with integrity, and allowing the voice of the people to be heard and moving forward, if that stops happening, people get frustrated, they get angry. And to me, the next step, the scary step, is violence. And that's how we determine. And power determines what's right. Power determines how, we deter- how we're going to move forward. My friends, I do believe that, that when our country is engaged in discussions debate about what is right and what is wrong. The church dare not be silent. Why not? Number one, because we love people. This is the reason. We don't do it because we hate people. We do it because we love people. We get engaged because we see that these policies that are, that are being implemented in our nation, they're harmful to people. They hurt people. And we must always be motivated by our, our advocacy of certain uh, issues publicly and policies publicly would always be motivated out of a love for people. We do it because we love God and we want God's ways to be honored on earth. It does not mean I want everyone to be a non-denominational, Baptist, Catholic, Mormon, or whatever. I don't believe the church, I don't, I don't believe that a particular domination, the government should ever favor a particular denomination. But should the government honor God and God's ways and God's truth? Of course they should. And it's always been that way in our country, and it should remain that way. We do it because it's our calling as salt and light, that we are to be a preservative effect. This goes back to that we love God. Excuse me, we love people. And it goes back to asking, does God care about these things? I believe he does. I believe God cares about the unborn. I believe God cares about the way people live their lives. I believe God cares about, we got a big God, and he is concerned about a lot of things. We do it because we have a stewardship as Americans. We have been entrusted with freedom. We've been given a government that says that we are, that we the people are to determine, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We're not, as Americans, we have a, a, a unique opportunity in the history of the world that we have a say in our government. We have a say in our future. We have a say in our policies. Most people haven't throughout time. Most people have been subject to tyranny, subject to authoritative governments. Much of the world today is subject to authoritative, where they don't have a say. We do. 
I believe it's a stewardship given to us by God. Romans 13 says governments are established by God. And I believe our government was established in a way to give us freedom and opportunities. But with that freedom comes responsibility to watch over, protect, and be good in what we do. So, are we losing people because of politics? I think we are. It's not because we speak out on politics. It's because young people are adopting a different position. Because young people are thinking there's nothing wrong with being homosexual, lesbian, transgender, bisexual, etc., etc., etc. This We live in a time of sexual anarchy where our children are being raised and our culture, our children, all the children, are being raised with no sense of right and wrong morally. Whatever you want is what's good. There's no boundaries sexually other than make sure there's consent. That's the only boundary left. We're being raised in a time that, that honors, that, that are people leaving because of politics? Yes. They're leaving over the abortion issue. Is this something that we say, well, we'll just be quiet about it for fear of losing someone? Are we going to be quiet about the sexual morals? I know many of us believe in a live and let live, but where we are today, these things are being taught in our schools implemented in our public policies, implemented through court systems, implemented in a hundred ways. Does the church just remain silent in this? There is a cost to stand up. There's a cost. Uh, the cost of speaking truth is controversy. Again, I'm telling you what I believe. I understand pastors who may not agree with me. I sympathize with the tough position they're in. I'm not pastoring a church right now. I have in the past. I think I understand the pain they feel when someone leaves over an issue like this, over them taking a position, taking a stand. I've had people leave my church because I take a stand on an issue. It hurts. I understand that. I've had people reject. No one likes to be rejected. I've had people reject me, disrespect me, because I stand up and take a position on something controversial. I understand it's painful. And God may not call everyone to do that, but he certainly does call some. I believe he's called me to do that. It's part of the price I pay for the turf God's called me to walk on. What do I believe is the answer? You know, I've been asked, I've been asked when I go to campus, you know, I've had student organizations say, student churches, say they don't want me to come anymore because they know homosexuality will come up and they know what I'll say about it. It's true. Christian churches who would not want me on their campus because they know when asked, I will say homosexuality is a sin and it's wrong. And they just want to avoid it. I understand it. I disagree. Why do I disagree? I say because people know where we stand anyway. If we're going to lose, let's at least fight. Let's at least try and explain to people why we believe what we believe. That no, we're not hateful bigots. We have reasons for, our, for what we believe. And we, and we try and reason with people, and we try and explain, and we try and persuade, because some people are persuadable if they hear. Some are not, but some are persuadable if we tell them. Some will hear, and some will listen if we speak up. And if we don't speak up, we allow them to continue to believe that we are just a bunch of hateful bigots, as they've been told by others. Folks, this is particularly true in our children. We've got to talk to our children about difficult things. We've got to talk to our, we've got to educate our own children. We can't avoid it. They're hearing other sides. They're hearing it loud and clear. We've got to at least fight for our own children. That's why I'm a big advocate of homeschooling. 
I'm a big advocate of Christian schooling. I know some, it's hard to do, but boy, if you can do it, I advocate it because in the public schools, it's hard. And they'll often hear otherwise. And you won't know what they're hearing until they've changed their mind. And it may be too late. We love our kids. We sacrifice for our kids. We train our kids. We don't just shield them from everything. We let them know what the world's saying, and we let them know how to interact with it, how to respond to it, how to answer with the truth. That's my ministry. That's what I do quite a bit. I hope you do that with your children. I hope you fight hard for them. Give them every opportunity to know the truth. Help them know what the other side is saying. Help them know why abortion is wrong. Help them know why there are sexual standards. Help them know where morality comes from. It comes from God. Help them to see that God has called us to a superior way of life. It's not because we hate people and we're not, it's not because we're self-righteous and legalistic. It's because we love God and God loves us. And the life God calls us to is a beautiful life. His ways are above all ways, all other ways. His ways are above our ways. We seek to know him because he's a great and wonderful God. Well, I had a lot to cover today as we've gone through this series on why people are losing faith. As you maybe can tell, I'm just scratching the surface on all this stuff. I've made a lot of statements without taking a lot of time to back it up. I'm just talking about the big picture here today. But as you know, if you want to be strong and equipped and know how to answer questions like this, this is a place, not the only place. There are other places, but this is a place where, you, where I speak and find answers. And, and if you want to know more about what I've been saying today, I hope you come back regularly because we do talk about tough things. And at times I will say things that are controversial because truth is controversial. Truth is controversial. And I, I believe as, believe as Christians, if we stand for truth, being controversial, maybe being canceled, being rejected, being misunderstood, being accused and slandered. These are all, this is just part of the turf that God calls us to walk on as his disciples and as the lights of the world. We respond God's way. We love our accusers. We pray for our persecutors. We rise above their accusations. We don't return evil for evil. We don't throw stones back if they threw stones at us. We rise above. We respond God's way. We, we are faithful to God and we leave it in God's hands. That's what we do. And we trust God to give us victory. Our God is bigger than our opponents. Our God is bigger than those who don't like us. Our God is God. And we live in light of that. And we trust Him. And our number one goal is to be pleasing to the Lord. We love Him. That's our number one goal. Amen. Father, we bless you today. We thank you that you are the sovereign God, and we thank you for these times in which we live. It can be confusing, frustrating, difficult, fearful. We acknowledge all this, but we thank you for the times in which we live, and you, we acknowledge you have placed us here for such a time as this. We pray, Father, for, for those who have fallen away from the faith, left the church, and perhaps left you, because they have been persuaded that our position on things like pro-life and the sanctity of life and, and the boundaries and morals sexually and what's right and wrong sexually, we pray for those who've left over these issues 
oh God, that you might open their eyes, bring them to repentance. Help us, Lord, we grieve and we, we, we're saddened by it, but we realize, Lord, I realize, I, my position, these are issues that the church, we cannot be silent on. We cannot, we, we cannot compromise on such things to try and keep people around, to try and help them. We pray, Father. We pray for our young people. We pray for new converts. We pray for everyone. They'd be so grounded in the Word of God and in prayer and knit into churches via, by love and, and relationship that even if these things are, go challenged at school or that they wouldn't just quickly abandon and leave the church and leave you, but there'd be a, a relationship network, a credibility where they would be willing to come and hear and reason and understand our positions rather than just quickly abandon the church. I pray for pastors, Lord. I know that they, they, they just, they love their people. They have difficult positions, difficult decisions they need to make. Help us, Lord, not to be quick to judge them. We pray for them. We pray, Lord, you give them wisdom, love, faith, and courage in these days. I pray, Father, for each of us, if we know someone who's left the faith over political stands, or we pray for our own children. Help us, Lord, know how to raise them. Help us know how to teach them to stand alone, to be willing to suffer for what's right, to be seeking to please you and not all their peers. Help protect them, Lord, from false information. Help us know how to train them in the ways of God and the truths of God so that when they're presented false information, they know how to respond to it. Lord, these are big, big issues. We do believe there is a cultural war, but we don't want to see people as our enemy. We're fighting ideas. We're fighting against evil ideas, Lord. We're fighting against uh, rebellion. We're fighting against ideas that we believe come from the, the pit of hell. But our battle's not against people. Help us, Lord, to overcome those who oppose by prayer, by love, by service. Oh, how we pray, Father, for people who are leading the, in the, in the pro-choice and the in the secularization and the LGBT and the in the uh, these different ideological ideas. How we pray for people, even leaders in these areas, to become saved and to be born again and to come to Jesus Christ and be able to stand up for what's true and right. We ask you, Lord, to break through. We ask. We, we pray, Lord, destroy every speculation raised up against the knowledge of God. And we ask you to destroy that by saving people, changing the hearts and minds of people. We pray for this. Raise up persuasive evangelists, apologists, teachers to equip your people and how we pray that your truth would prevail. We pray and bless you for these things. Strengthen us this day for your glory, and to serve you with all of our heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen, and amen. A lot we talked about today. God bless you. I hope you're back tomorrow. We'll be, we'll be here. We come every day, so I'll see you tomorrow morning. Today, be strong, be blessed, be encouraged. Walk in the favor of God. Love everybody. Overcome evil with good. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.